Welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're starting a new series, the Back to Basics series. Now, I think that this is going to be very useful for anybody who's new to the show, but also it is going to be useful for you long-term listeners who have been around for all 666-odd episodes because we're going to explain some of those basics probably a lot better than we did the first time because we're <laughs> revising them, but also have... We're more sober this time. Uh, and we've also thought through it a lot and I think have put a lot of process in place and created new calculators based on our experience of trying to explain all of this. Now, in today's show, we're going to be talking about getting goals, setting strategy, and then picking the right properties. And then in tomorrow's episode and the following episodes, we're going to get into more detail about building a team how to figure out how much you can actually borrow, and then also the step-by-step process to purchasing property. But today, getting goals, setting strategy, and picking properties. Andrew, take it away, and let's start with how to actually get and set your goals. Cool. So this is a really important step in the process because if you haven't got a goal, it can become really easy to give up on your investment journey. So knowing the end game is important before you start because that's kind of the foundation of it. So there are two types of goals. Firstly, there's the property-based goals. And secondly, there are the financial goals. So property-based goals are something like this. I want five houses within five years, or I want more properties than years I've lived, which comes from someone who uh, talks a lot on this show. But I guess the thing there, Andrew, with property-based goals is you're really just picking a number out of the air, aren't you? You know, yep, oh, what sounds good? Five properties in five years or 10 properties in 10 years. And actually, it's funny timing because just last night I was on the Property Investors Chat Group and there was a question and it was, I just read Graham Fowler's book and it's great content, but how do I get to 20 properties because surely the bank's not going to lend me any money? And I jumped in there because I was doing nothing else on a Sunday night and said, hey, actually, you've got to bear in mind that it's a lot harder harder nowadays, so you might want to kind of think about reducing your number a little bit, but also working within the limitations of your own personal circumstances. So you do want to push yourself, and there's nothing wrong with hitting 60% of an ambitious goal. Better to do that than just not set an ambitious goal to begin with, but you have to be realistic within what your abilities are going to allow you to achieve. Financial goals, there are three of them. Build wealth, And that's when you kind of don't have any set reason for what you want to have the money for. You just know you want to have $2 million in 10 years' time, and you'll figure out what you're going to spend it on later. Next one, if you're a bit further along, your life might be retirement. So, hey, I'm 45 today. I want to retire at 65 and live on 200 grand a year. And the final and probably the more advanced one is I want to have a passive income. So at 65 or maybe sooner, maybe later, I want to know that I've got 200,000 coming in forever. Doesn't matter how long I live for. Now, these are easier because you can actually calculate it. If you've got a number and a time frame, you can work out exactly what you need to do. But it's also harder in some ways because you can calculate it and you then need to find a calculator to use. Yeah. How you can do this? So you can start on the Sorted website. So sorted.org.nz has a really good retirement calculator or the My Wealth Plan, which we've built, which we use on a daily basis with investors, works out where you want to be, how on track you are right now doing what you're doing, contributing to KiwiSaver, superannuation, all those kind of things. 
you are going to be to get there and then what the gap is and then from there you can build a plan to get there through property. And the interesting thing is, at the moment, that piece of software, My Wealth Plan, we had to build that because we didn't see a good passive income calculator or build wealth calculator out there in terms of being able to figure out, well, if you've got a goal, how on track are you at the moment right now in order to be able to get there? And so we were actually just having a conversation this morning, you know, maybe we should open this up because at the moment you've got to put in a password to be able to use this and there's a bit more to it than what we've just outlined. It's, It's pretty advanced stuff. But I think that we probably will do that. I'll talk to our developers and look to open this up, probably not in time for when this episode airs, but we will be able to do that in the near future. So you'll be able to go through, figure out your situation. Well, what goals should I actually set? Because this is a very, very important part or very important step in order to be able to start building up a property investment plan. And also it's it's quite good to figure out how you're going right now because I've had investors coming to me and they've said, hey, I want $100,000 a year by the time I'm 65 punch them what they're doing right now and they're actually there and then they change their goals and say actually I want 200,000 then I want to really live life when I hit retirement or I want to start looking to retire earlier and the best news about releasing the My Wealth Plan is today's morning meeting started with Ed saying you know what you were right. Yes but manipulation works doesn't it team. (laughs) Now Once you've got your goals, you want to set your strategy. And the thing is, getting back to basics, there are so many strategies you could potentially use in property investment. And if you want to hear all 10 strategies that we came up with, go back and listen to episode 545. And if producer David reminds me, we'll link that in the show notes. But there are two main strategies that work in today's legislative regime in the current environment based on the current tax laws that have come out. You can either buy new and really focus on capital gains and some potential cash flow, or you can buy existing properties and actively renovate them. So try and really cash flow hack those. But my disclaimer for this is do not buy existing properties if you are not going to do a decent reno on them and increase that cash flow because chances are, especially in the major cities, those are going to be terrible in terms of cash flow. They're probably going to lose a lot of money because if you go and buy an existing property now, you're not going to be able to deduct your interest after October this year. So there are a couple of other different divisions that you can think about just to keep things really simple for this back to basic series. You've got yield properties and you've got capital growth properties. And they can work for both strategies, that kind of passive strategy we talked about where you're investing in new builds or the active strategy where you're actively going out there and renovating them. The difference between them, there are some properties that are configured for yield. These are things like apartments, room by room rentals. They are built in such a way that you are able to get more yield out of them, more rent out of them for what you pay. You also have capital growth properties, properties that tend to increase in value more quickly. And that is usually the case because they're attractive to owner occupiers. They're the sort of properties that people want to live in. So usually they're houses and townhouses. Now, if you're going for a passive growth strategy, what you're usually going to be investing in are you know, brand new houses and townhouses because that passive strategy is based on new builds. If you're going for a passive yield strategy, you want to get more yield out of that portfolio, you're probably going for some dual care apartments, maybe some student accommodation in Hamilton, those kinds of things. If you're going for an active 
growth strategy, so you actually want to get out and renovate, that's where you're probably going to be buying more standalone houses because those provide the most opportunity to get in, renovate, maybe build something out the back, maybe add a cabin in. And then you also have active yield strategies, which is probably maybe looking at some boarding houses, maybe looking at some room by room rentals, adding in some bedrooms potentially into a property. There are a couple of ways to do it. And again, we do have podcasts. If this is the first time you're listening to the show in the past that you can go through and check out that detail more of this, I'll link down into the show notes as well, the catalog where you can go through and search all of our previous episodes. But I suppose the question is, Andrew, well, which strategy is right for me? If those are kind of the strategies that are out there, how do I figure out what's right for me? So I guess the first thing you need to ask yourself is how much time have you got? People who want a passive strategy, they tend to be busy with their jobs and their family and just life, or, or they're lazy. They don't want to have to put time into their investment property portfolio. And that's you know that's someone like me. I'm incredibly busy with work commitments and life commitments. So now I've gone from having an active strategy previously where you've got to be highly motivated and want to renovate and do all those kind of things, and I've transitioned into a passive strategy because I don't have the time or inclination to focus on that now. Second is money. Do you have the money to renovate? Do you actually have some money to put into renovations? Because often you can't necessarily borrow that money from the bank. And then you've got to ask yourself, what's your skill set or also your hunger to learn? So whilst I like to learn new things, probably even with all the amount of YouTube videos I could watch on how to erect a deck and paint a wall, I'm never going to do a good job. So you kind of have to have this balance here. And you need to either start with that skill set or be able to learn or, or study that skill set or, or and desire to have that skill set. And, and I guess, look, some of us are made for painting, some of us aren't. And look, you could be renovating properties and just project managing it. Now, if you are going to have, I guess, that lower skill set because you're going to bring in some painters, you do then have to have the money in order to be able to yes. pay them. And just why don't you talk to us, Andrew, about how much money you need to get started in these two different strategies? Yep. Now, the main thing here that kind of changes the numbers is the LVR restrictions nowadays. So if you're investing with a passive strategy and focusing on new properties, you probably need about 120k cash or usable equity. And if you want to go to episode 662, you'll learn more about this. If you want to have the active strategy, so the buy, renovate and hold, you need to have about 300,000 worth of usable equity or cash. And that allows you to purchase a property for between 500 and 625. So you do probably have to be in a region that you could afford to buy a property for that price at that amount of investment. And that gives you another 50000 to to $100,000 worth of reno, depending on what part of the scale you're on. And again, servicing is really important here because there's going to be some holding costs. So tomorrow's episode is going to be really important for you. Actually, I think the servicing episode we're going to do is number three, but that's okay. Tomorrow's episode, okay. we're going to build your team. But that one is coming as well. So where are we at now? We've got our goals. We've set a strategy. Or we've got a sense of, well, which strategy is right for me? Now we've got to go and actually pick some properties to invest in. And we do this a bit differently using a very data-focused process. So we would always start by looking at each of the regions and finding which are undervalued, which ones are the most attractive to invest in right now based on where prices are at right at this moment. And if you want to find this, we do have the data on the Opus Partners website where you can go through, look at each region, see where their property cycles are at, but trying to find something that is relatively undervalued compared to where we would expect it to be, historically speaking. So at the moment, those are Auckland and Canterbury. There's a wee bit 
and Taranaki that it's undervalued by. There are a couple of regions. It's all over our Instagram as well if you want to check that out. Once you've found a region, and let's say that you were investing in a region that is quite large, let's say that it's Manawatu, Wanganui, for instance. In that instance, we would usually recommend gravitating towards some of those bigger cities. So, for instance, I would recommend people to think about investing in a place like Wanganui as opposed to investing in a place like Maxwell, which is a tiny, tiny wee settlement, probably about 20 minutes out of town. Now, prices there are going to be very cheap, but it's probably not going to make the best investment over the long term. Now, once you have found that region, you've found the city you want to invest in based on some of this criteria that we're talking about, this is when I would recommend that you start looking at suburbs to invest in. So before you go to trade me and think, cool, I'm going to be looking at Palmerston North, which is actually quite overvalued at the moment, just so everybody knows, but let's say that you're investing in a city like Auckland, there are so many different suburbs that you could invest in. And usually I would recommend looking for one that has got a mix of capital growth and a mix of yield. Now for the four major cities in New Zealand, we have maps on our website you can check out. You can go through and find well which suburbs have historically got really good capital growth, but still have reasonable yields for the profile of investment property that I am looking to invest in. And that's going to be different based on the strategy that you've picked in that first step. Now once you've found a kind of hit list of suburbs that you think, look, I think they are probably good investment properties there, that's where you can start looking at trade me. And look, you can shortcut this process as well, you know, by working with somebody like a financial advisor. Now that could be a company like us, or it could be one of our competitors. If you want to shortcut that process, you could also go through people like real estate agents, but you will need to do a lot more number crunching as compared to if you're working with a financial advisor, if you really want to be making sure that you make a good investment decision in that instance. Now, I think we've actually got this within the usual 15 minutes, yeah, actually, we Andrew. we were going to set a timer here because we had so many notes, but we've managed to rattle through that quite quickly. So that is how you would usually, you know, the kind of quick guide to getting some goals, setting a strategy, and then going through and picking some properties. And look, you can get very, very advanced on this. So for instance, if you want to be incredibly active, you might start looking at off-market deals. You might go be dropping letters in people's letterboxes in order to try and see whether they'll sell you without a real estate agent and negotiate a good deal. You can get really advanced in property. But if we're starting from the basics, this is how you would go about getting some goals, setting a strategy, and then going through and picking properties within this three-step process. Now, in tomorrow's show, we're going to get into number two out of four for this Back to Basics series. We're going to be talking about building your team. Who are all of the professionals that we'd recommend you use and what sort of services are they going to be providing? How do I work with them in order to be able to get started in property investment? Now, just before we do that, I want to say there are quite a few resources we've talked about on the show. Tap or swipe over the cover art. I'm going to link those down in the show notes. And don't forget that if you're looking for something specific, in property investment, then check out our podcast catalogue because we've done 667 episodes of this show now and you can use this, it's a tool on our website to search through a title, find a show that you're looking on to dig deep because sometimes there are actually shows, Andrew, that I think, oh, that was not that long ago. Then I search yeah, and find the episode. 300 episodes ago. Oh, actually, over the weekend I was looking at, somebody said, oh, do you have something on subdivision? Oh, that wasn't that long ago. Oh, actually, it was over 300 episodes ago. <laughs> But I would definitely check it out because even though some of those episodes might have been recorded a year ago, they're still relatively current. So tap or swipe over the cover out, whole bunch of links in there.
for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.